Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. We've been covering this throughout this entirety of this month because there are so many wrong stories. There are so many misrepresentations that we just felt it was so important just to talk to you, bring it back, look at the terms, look at the words, just look at everything involved with the Holy Spirit and how it applies still for each and every one of our lives today, right now. And here's the scripture that we've been using each and every week, Acts 19, 1 and 2, and it says, and it happened While Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. The gospel has been preached. They're reaching other people. And when Paul got to Ephesus, he found some disciples there. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? At your salvation experience, have you then received the Holy Spirit? And they said to him, we have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So much like the day we're in today. When we talk perhaps about the Holy Spirit, so many misconceptions, so many people with their wrong ideas, not understanding His true nature, His place, the person of the Holy Spirit, that He's not an it, He's the person, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, part of the triune Godhead. And that's why we have taken this time to present to you from God's Word the true story of the Holy Spirit. Each week asking you, come with an open heart. Come with an open mind to listen and to receive. So for three weeks, and we're going to conclude that today, we've been taking terms or words that are very much and oftentimes used in reference to the Holy Spirit to try and give you a greater understanding and the truth to these words. So we began by talking about spirit or ghost. The translation of the word from the Hebrew is ruach. The the word in the Greek is pneuma. The translation is not really great when they use spirit or ghost. Because the actual thought is this. It's a wind or a breath. Literally fresh air that's breathed into something. Which is not what we get from spirit or ghost. Spirit and ghost tends to be something we're afraid of. We shun away from. We pull back from. It's eerie. It's mystical. We don't like that. That's not the nature of really what the Holy Spirit is. He wants to be freshness. He wants to be that breath, that wind, that air that we need in our sails, in our life to propel us on. We then looked at the word Pentecost, where we get the word Pentecostal from, that has a lot of crazy connotations attached to it. But literally the word means 50th, or 50th day after Passover. And it was a day and a moment in history where we see that God empowered His people on the day of Pentecost. He empowered them to carry out the task that He had been given or they had been given. And that same Pentecost moment, day, we all need in our lives to empower us to do the task that God has given us. Then last week, Pastor Pete preached a message about charismatic or charisma. 
understanding that the spiritual gifts that God has given to every one of us, and when we say spiritual, many times we think in the wrong sense because we think it has to be like reading the Bible or or a word of knowledge. And thank God for those spiritual gifts, but yet the giftings that God has given us in our work each and every day, what God has enabled us to do, we've got to be using those gifts, our grace gifts, to touch other people and to help change the world around us. Do you agree? And then today we're going to talk about baptism. Say that with me, baptism. 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 The word baptism means this, to be immersed in. Now, not just in water, it means to be immersed in. And what I want to do today is I want to actually open up God's Word and show us in Scripture that there are actually three baptisms for our spiritual journey, for our spiritual walk with God. The first baptism is into the body of Christ. That's salvation when we give our lives to Christ. The second baptism is in water, being water baptized. And then the third baptism is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, with what we teach and believe, the evidence of speaking in a heavenly language. Three baptisms, and I want to discuss those today and to go through those today. So let's look at the first baptism today, the baptism into the body of Christ, to be immersed into Christ, to be immersed into his church. And I love that because that's what God wants to do to each and every one of us. He wants us to, like Pete said, he wants to consume us, come and consume all that we are, that people will no longer see my mistakes and my failures, but they'll see a change that's taken place, that God has done something in my life. And we see this in the Scriptures, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, the body of Christ whether Jew or Greek, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. I love that, that God's not looking and saying, well, you can have this and and you can't have that. God says, whoever you may be, however man may have categorized you, God says everyone can come because we're all part of the same body. We are all brothers and sisters in salvation. We are all the sons and daughters of God. We are baptized into one body. Paul goes on in Galatians to say, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have now put on Christ. One translation says you are now clothed in Christ. So the thought is literally covered in Christ. Aren't you glad that when Jesus saved you, he covered your sins? And he didn't just cover your sins, he removed them, but he covered your nakedness. He covered your shame. He covered your past so he can give you a glorious picture. And what a picture of salvation, a covering, being covered, being immersed in that the old and the dead is gone and now the new life through Jesus Christ is here. So the first step has to be salvation. Salvation is the first step. That's the vision statement of our church. Life starts. That's the first step. How does life start? Through knowing God. Salvation. Having a relationship with God. And that's how it has to begin. Being baptized, saved in Christ. And let me show you this further as we look at Jesus after he was crucified and after he rose from the dead. The Bible says for 40 days he walked around this earth appearing to his disciples and to followers. 
And we read of one of those such encounters today from the book of John, chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. And it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, that Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. I love that. The doors, the windows, everything was shut. They were hiding out. And all of a sudden, bam, Jesus is like in the middle of them. And he said to them, peace be with you. He would have to say that. Anyone with me on that? I'm just in my house, minding my own business. Bam, Jesus is there. I need some peace to be with me. Amen. And I love how the scriptures presents this. And when he had said this to them, he showed them his hands, the nail-scarred hands. He showed them his side that was pierced. And his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Please understand this. Up to this time, their salvation was believing in Christ to be crucified. The Old Testament, we see they had to offer sacrifices of blood, uh, of bulls and goats. It was the blood that was the covering of their sins, but the promise was the perfect Lamb, Jesus Christ, that would come. So up to this time, they really didn't have salvation like we have, believing in Christ and His death and resurrection. But now everything changed. He's now resurrected. He now comes to them and He says these words to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. What he's saying to them is this. It was the beginning of their salvation experience. When he said receive the Spirit, it's not to be confused with being baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is a separate baptismal experience that we're going to talk about. But what he was talking about was this. It's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that is needed in order for salvation to come. What do I mean by that? The Bible says if the Spirit doesn't lead us and if the Spirit doesn't draw us, we cannot find repentance. It was by the drawing power of God. You remember what it was like. You were living however which way you wanted. And one day everything changed and you felt a drawing. There was something that pulled you in. You didn't know what it was. You were attracted to someone. You didn't know what it was about them. But that was God's Holy Spirit drawing you to a place, exposing your life and who you were, showing the need that you had for something more. And that was the Holy Spirit changing your life and bringing you to a place. And salvation is not possible without the Holy Spirit drawing us. So what do we know? At salvation, the Holy Spirit is with us. We have the Holy Spirit within us. Luke goes on to give a further detail of the same event. It's pretty interesting. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They're really the same stories, just told by a different viewpoint or vantage point because it's the same author, God. But he uses these men to see things in slightly a different way. So we see the same story we just read of in John. But Luke adds a little bit more detail to it. Look what he says in Luke 24, 36. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there amongst them. Here it is. And he says, peace be with you, he said. Jump a couple of verses to verse 49. And he says, and now I will send... The Holy Spirit. He breathed on them, said, receive the Spirit. But now he adds something else that John did not say. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. 
But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. A different baptism. First baptism into Christ. Salvation. But here he's talking about immersion. Not just having the Holy Spirit within you. And then further, we see this story again in the book of Acts. We can see it in verse chapter 1 and verse 3 and on. It says this, And after his suffering, he presented to them and gave many convicting proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father. Come on, say with me, the gift. The gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John indeed baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Please note, he breathed on them, received the Spirit. Salvation came. But at that same time, he says, but wait, because in a few days, That's the future. Are you with me? It's a future event. He said a promise is still going to come. Something else is available to each and every one of us. So our first baptism is this, salvation. Say with me, salvation. Salvation. Second baptism. It's water baptism. Water baptism. It says this in Acts chapter 2 verse 41. Then those who gladly received his words were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. This was Peter after the day of Pentecost, actually, when God's Spirit had fallen. He stands before the masses and he preaches the gospel message. And that day, 3,000 people were saved and added to the church. And what did they do? They baptized them. They baptized them in water. Again, a separate baptism from salvation. They believed, they gave their lives to Christ, they were saved, but now they were water baptized. And you've got to understand this and you've got to see this because water baptism does not save you. I want to say that again. Water baptism doesn't save you. And how do I know this? Can I tell you why? Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace are you saved. Come on. For by grace are you saved and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Nothing you can do. There is nothing you and I can do to earn the salvation of God. We're not good enough. Even our best that we could offer is as nothing to God. There is nothing we can do. So listen to me. If water baptism is required for salvation, then that means that my works are earning my salvation. And it's false. It's not true. Because it's not an act of works. It's not something of our own doing. My baptism is not something that produces salvation, but as a result of my salvation, it's something that we're commanded to do. Why? Because faith without works is dead, but the works don't produce the faith, but the faith, the belief in God, salvation, Produces the works. Water baptism. And again, there's a lot of confusion here. A lot of people look and they've made a whole denominations of this. That if you're saved, you've got to be water baptized. And if you're not water baptized, you're not saved. Man put in his stamp and the wrong stamp on what salvation is. Because salvation is a free gift that God gives to us. 
But then water baptism is a choice and a decision that you and I need to make. But I believe it should be the next step in your spiritual journey. If you're saved, what's my next step? I believe water baptism should be the next step. Did you know that water baptism is mentioned 27 times in the Word of God? That makes it pretty important to me. If it's mentioned once, that should be enough if God says it. But 27 times in references given to water baptism, I think it's important for us to note. And here's really what water baptism is. Matthew 10, therefore who confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. I believe water baptism is a confession to the world about the private experience that's taken place. Why? Because it's private, your salvation between you and God. It's not about everyone else. It's a relationship between you and God, that salvation experience. But then I believe that private connection with God needs to go public. And that's what water baptism is. It's the public confession telling all the world that you are going all in with God. I love what Pastor Chris Hodges says. He calls water baptism the wedding ring of salvation. And I think that's a beautiful picture. Why? Because I'm married to Kelly, but this ring is not the vow that I made to Kelly. The ring that I wear is not the marriage and the vow that I made, but what does it do? It represents the vow that I have made to Kelly. And what does it do? It tells everyone else, back off, buddy, I'm taken. Leave this alone. Can't touch this. Because it's the symbol of the vow. It's the same with water baptism. What are we telling the world? I've made a declaration and a confession to Christ. And now I'm going public with this. And I'm not ashamed. And I want the whole world to know. Come on. And then there's the third baptism. It's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Again, remember, the Holy Spirit is within you. You receive Him at salvation. But there's another gift. There's another promise. And let me show you this today, if I can. Let me show you this. Someone didn't take my glass out. They messed up my illustration. When we're saved, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Our life is the cup. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. He's there. He has to, to lead us to repentance. But notice what happens. I couldn't bring a swimming pool in today because obviously for obvious reasons, but we've got this. But what happens when we are water baptized? We are not just filled with the Holy Spirit, but we are totally immersed into the Holy Spirit. That everything all around, he totally wants to immerse us. And every part, not just to fill us, but there's so much more that he has. Because think about that. I'm just limiting God then to what I am. But as I'm allowing His Holy Spirit to come, I'm taking the limits off of God and I'm allowing Him to totally immerse my whole life. And I'm going to show you this as Philip goes to Samaria. Good name, yeah? And um, he's going to Samaria and he's preaching. And look what he says in Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. Jump to verse 12. But when they believed, as Philip had preached these things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So what have we just seen? The first two baptisms. They first believed. They were baptized into Christ. They gave their lives. They were covered 
by Christ. But then as a result of that salvation experience, they were then water baptized. That's the second baptism. But it doesn't finish there because it goes on. Look, verse 14 through 17. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that in Samaria they had received the word of God, that they had believed and been water baptized, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they had come and prayed for them, that they might what? Receive the Holy Spirit. For yet it had not fallen on none of them. They had only actually been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they laid hands on them and they what? They received the Holy Spirit. An immersion took place in their life. A separate experience from their salvation experience and their water baptism experience. And I heard someone say this, why so many baptisms? Why, why didn't God just do it in, in one go? Well, here's the truth. Because God did not want to confuse His free gift with anything else. Because salvation is God's gift. It's His gift to every one of us. And yes, water baptism is a gift, I believe, too. And the Holy Spirit is a gift. But what distinguishes the two from the first baptism is this. The two second ones require you to do something. You have to be water baptized. And you have to ask to receive. That It's an act of works for those two baptisms. But the first baptism is a free gift from God. And the purpose of the third baptism we talked about in week two of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, God empowered them with power. What does that mean? God has a job for you to do. And in order to be able to do that job, we need His power to accompany us and to help us. And look here, we actually see all these three baptisms. They're in one particular scripture here. Look, 1 John 5, 7 and 8. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, God. The Word. John tells us the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus Christ. So the Father, God, the Word, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one, and there are three that bear witness now here on earth. Notice the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. Spirit, water, blood. Holy Spirit baptism, the third baptism. The water, water baptism. The blood, Jesus' sacrifice for our salvation. So if we were to put them in the order of what we've talked about today, it would be salvation, water baptism, and the Holy Spirit. The three baptisms that agree as one. I believe this. Every one of us are called by God to go on a spiritual journey. If salvation was the end of our lives, then God would take us to heaven as soon as we're saved. But salvation is the beginning of our life. It's the beginning of our journey because now we're on the right path. We're now going the right way. So we are called by God to be on a spiritual journey. And along that spiritual journey, I believe every one of us should strive to seek and to ask for all that God wants to give to us. None of us have arrived. And I'll say amen for you if you don't want to say amen for you. 
None of us have arrived. If there was anyone perhaps that could almost come close to having arrived, it would have been Paul, the Apostle Paul, an incredible man. And you think, wow, if I could just be like that. He was beaten and shipwrecked and everything he went through and he still stood up and he confessed and, and he didn't waver in his faith. Wow, if there was anyone that, that had arrived. But yet Paul says of himself, and you can read it when you get home, Philippians 3.13, he says these words. He says, I want you to know this. He says, I have not apprehended is the word that he uses. He says, I haven't arrived yet. But one thing I am doing. He says, I'm letting go of the things that are behind so I can push on to the things that are ahead. And that's what we need to do in our spiritual journey. None of us have arrived yet. So what do we need to do? We need to let go of the weights and the anchors and the past and the sins and the relationships and the things that are keeping us in the past. Why? Because God's got something great for us. Do you see the journey? Are you being held back in your life? It's time to believe and strive and say, God, I I want everything. It's time for us to lean into everything that God has and say, God, I want to receive your power. God, I want your Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit that wants to come upon you is more than just a tongue and a heavenly language. That's the evidence. That's how you know that you're immersed. It's there that it's come. But can I tell you what the baptism in the Holy Spirit really is? It's a power for your life. It's a boldness for your life. It's a freedom for your life. It's to take your life places that you only dreamt of going because now you have that boldness and that strength and that power to accompany your life. Well, Pastor, I disagree. Well, think about this. Peter watches Christ being crucif- or watches Christ being arrested. He's hiding out. He's kind of as close as he can, but he's still kind of back and he's warming himself around a fire. And a little servant girl comes to him and says, you're one of them. The Bible says Peter denied it. It says, man, me, no, 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 no. Here's the same Peter that days before was denying Christ to a little servant girl who had no power to do anything over his life. But days later, he's standing up before the masses and he is preaching a message about Jesus Christ. He's not ashamed. He is bold. What has happened in those days? He hasn't gone to a conference about self-esteem. He hasn't gone to a conference about how to public speak and to beat your fears. What has happened is this. The day of Pentecost took place and the power of God filled his life. And now the Holy Spirit changed everything. So someone who was timid and afraid now is boldly standing up and preaching the truth about God. Listen to this scripture. The Bible says, and do not be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. Why do I say that? Why do I include that into this message? Here's the reason why. Be careful. Because the world and Satan always offers a counterfeit. I said the world always has a counterfeit. God has the Holy Spirit and the world has an unholy spirit. And the unholy spirit wants to take you to the wrong places and to do the wrong things. But God has a Holy Spirit that wants to enable your life and propel your life into everything that God has. Why? Because God has destined us as his children to live a supernatural life. We do the natural. He's the super to it. To do things beyond what we thought we were capable of doing. 
And I believe from God's word, it's clear that in order for us to fully accomplish, notice the word fully, we can accomplish and we can do, but to fully do and to fully be everything that God wants us to be, I believe you and I need to be baptized, the third baptism, into the Holy Spirit. Now, people have said, man, I'm better than you because I have the baptism. No, you haven't really been baptized properly, I don't think, if that's the Spirit that you've got. Because that's not the Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit coming upon you does not make you better than someone else. The Holy Spirit comes upon you to make you better than yourself. I don't need to be better than you. I need to be better than me because it's me that I'm going to be judged for and have to stand and give an account for my life. And I need the Holy Spirit to make me better than I am today and each and every day. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you any more saved, but it's a power that now accompanies your salvation. And today I want to just simply go through four points on how we can receive the Holy Spirit. So how do I receive? Number one, you've got to remove all barriers. God has so much for every one of us, but so often we put up barriers. We, we put up limitations. We put up walls in between us and God. Fear is a big one. It's a great barrier that we put up. Another one that we can put up is guilt. That's something that's a barrier. Oh, I can't receive because of that guilt and the condemnation that comes. Doubt can be another one. There can be so many barriers that we have in our life that will hinder us and to stop us from having everything that God wants. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, we've got to be prepared to remove the barriers. What are the barriers that you have? I don't know. In Acts, we see that Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and your children, to those who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. Thank God His Spirit is still touching people. There are still those who are not saved yet, but His Spirit is still going to be available for them. But what Peter was telling them really here is this, we've got to get all the barriers out of the way. We've got to believe God. We've got to trust God. I wonder the question is today, what is stopping you from believing that this gift is from you? What is stopping you? What is the blockage that you have that's saying, oh no, I, I don't want that or I'm afraid of that or that's not. What is stopping you? Because whatever is stopping you is a barrier. It's a stopping point that will hinder you from stepping into everything that God has for you. Here's the second way that you receive. You've got to request the gift of the Holy Spirit. And requesting the gift of the Holy Spirit is a simple prayer. And you can just pray a prayer like this, God, I want it all. I want all of you. I want every part. I don't want to just be saved. God, I want to have your power that will help me live saved and be what you've called me to be. Matthew seven eleven. if you being evil know how to give, give, give good gifts to your children, how much will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who, what? Ask him. What's the requirement to ask? The Bible says he knows what you have need of before you ask. And you're like, well, just give it to me, God. But the requirement is to ask. Because what happens is this. If we don't ask, then something is forced upon us. And God won't force himself upon us. He has to be welcomed in. And as we ask, we are welcoming him in. We are saying, God, I want you to come. I give you the liberty. I give you the rights to come. I wonder if you've ever stopped and wondered 
how much God could give you if you only asked. I heard a story once, and I thought it was pretty neat, of someone who was taken to heaven. When they were taken to heaven, they were led by an angel, and they saw a big building, and they said, well, what's that building? And the angel led them over to the building and opened the door. And when they opened the door, the, the rooms were filled with filing cabinets, just as far as the eye could see. And a person asked, well, what is this? And the angel drew them to one particular filing cabinet, and there they saw their name. And they opened the drawer. And inside of that drawer was blessing after blessing after blessing. And that person said, well, what is this? And they said, this is every blessing that is still stored up in heaven that you never asked for or you never stepped into and you never received. Now, I don't have chapter and verse for that. That's not something that you read in the Bible. But yet it is in the Bible because I believe that God has such blessings. The Bible says new every day. Come on, he wants to pour out his blessings upon us every day. But so many times I wonder if we're asking, I wonder if we're in a position to receive everything that he has. James tells us we don't have because we don't ask. And many times when we do ask, we ask wrong. We ask amiss for our own pleasures, for our own power. You see, the Holy Spirit is not about your pleasures and your power. It's about that God's will would be done and carried out through your life. And there's nothing more pleasurable for your life than to live in the purpose and the plan and the place that God has for your life. I never want it to be said about me that I didn't ask for everything that God has. And almost every day I say, God, would you give me everything? God, would you pour out upon my life? How to receive, number three, you've got to receive by faith. This is kind of the tricky part because that's exactly how it happens, by faith. What do we know about faith? Faith many times requires us to take that leap of faith, that step. Peter said, God, I want to come if that's you on the water, but faith didn't take him out of the boat. He had to step out of the boat. So many times in our life we want the things, but we don't take that step. We don't take that leap. That's the faith part. Come on, we've got to request the Holy Spirit, but then we've got to receive it by faith. Well, it's not my words. Well, well, it's strange. You've got to take that step faith, that step of faith and believe God. And I think there's a great illustration of this in Ezekiel. We read Ezekiel 47, beginning in verse 3, and it says, And when the man came out to the east, out of the house of God, He came out of the east with a line in his hand and he measured 1,000 cubits and he brought me through the waters and the waters came up to my ankles. Say with me, ankles. And again, he measured 1,000 and he brought me through the waters and the waters came up to my knees. Say my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and he brought me through and the waters came up to my waist. Say to me, my waist. So what do we see? Ankles, knees, waist. Different levels, different depths different opportunities, but he's not finished. He says, and again, he measured out 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross for the water was so deep water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. Listen to me today, ankle deep is all you need. The first baptism is all you need to be saved and to make it to heaven. But can you see the picture that Christ is saying to each and every one of us today? He's saying, but there's more. Oh, you can be in, but there's more. And he's not just saying, come up to your knees, come to your waist. He's saying that there is rivers to swim in. 
Last September, we rebranded our church. We relaunched our church, Encounter Church. And people have asked, well, why did you do that? Why? Because we wanted the name to symbolize what we really wanted to see happen in this place. We want people to come in and encounter God in a new way. We want them to have an experience with God. Thank God if they're coming into their ankles. But every week, we're going to say, just come a little bit further. Every service, we're going to say, come on, come on. Why? Because there's rivers to swim in. In God. Ankle, knee, waist. That's something you have control over. Because your feet are still on the bottom. And you still have control. But what is his invitation? Swim. And what happens when you begin to swim? The river takes you. You are now no longer in control, but now the river wants to take you. And the Bible goes on to to describe the river that wants to take you, and it's a river that's teeming with life. We want to be afraid of it and say, oh, I don't like that. I don't like not being in control. Well, you are missing out on a river of life that wants to flow and to take you. Why? Because you've got to get to that place where you lose touch with the ground. Please hear me. The first step, the first baptism is all you need, salvation. But God's inviting you to come deeper. Hebrews 11, 6, and without faith it's impossible to please God. It's the faith, it's the first baptism. That's what you need to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must first believe that He exists. But notice this, and understand that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Earnestly seek Him is more than just the average relationship. It's more than just a casual. I want to earnestly seek God. I want to go after God with everything. God, I don't want to just be happy at knees. I don't want to be happy with waist. God, I want everything that you have. I want every baptism, every experience, everything that you have available. Because God today just wants your heart to know that there's more. There's another step that you can take. And number four, the band can come back. How to relate. Or how to receive, we've got to relate to him every day. We've got to realize that he wants to be in constant communication and communion with your life each and every day. He's not leaving you and going, he's staying. He wants to immerse your life so much to enable you, to equip you, to help you each and every day of your life. Benny Hinn in his book, Good Morning Holy Spirit, he writes that every day he wakes up. And the first words that he says before his feet hit the floor is this, Good morning, Holy Spirit. Just to acknowledge Him, just to relate, just to see the fact I need you in my life today. In a few moments, I want to pray for you. And the first step that every one of us must take is the first baptism of salvation, the first step. But then there is a second step that we've talked about today, water baptism and We'd love for you to sign up today. There's an opportunity to sign up in the Connect Zone so you can be water baptized. But then there's the third step, and that's what's called being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to consider strange. But it's something to understand it's God's gift to you. It's God's gift to you. And everything that God has is good. And everything that God wants to give you, I believe you need to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. 
The Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, when they began to speak in other tongues, men from all different nations and nationalities were there. But what did they hear? They heard everyone speaking in their language and proclaiming the goodness of God. And they said, what's happening? These are ignorant and unlearned men, but yet we hear them praising God in our language. You see, it's a language not known by you, but it's a language that's known by God and perhaps even known by others throughout this world. I don't know every language and dialect, but I can tell you this, my cousin Ben is in the service with us today and his beautiful family. Our grandfather... Once when he was able to go to Israel many years ago, my grandfather loved Israel so much. Prayed for Israel every day, had such a heart for Israel. And that's one of the main reasons why we support Israel as a church. Not obviously through God's word, and we should do that. But just from that heart and that passion that my grandfather had. But when he finally arrived in Israel for the first time and he got off the plane, he was so emotional. He was so just overwhelmed by just the experience of seeing things. He and another guy from Scotland were in a taxi cab and for about an hour they were taken through the streets and through the areas of, of that city and those areas taken to their hotel. And they were just weeping and they were crying and they were speaking in tongues. They were just emotional. They were just in the car. And when they arrived, the taxi driver turned around and says, I didn't know you knew my language. They said, we don't. They said, for the last hour in the car, you've been telling us all about Jesus and the works that he has done. You see, I, I, I don't know if it's a language known here on this earth, but I do know this. He says that I want you to be a witness. And God wants our lives to be a witness to other people around. And so we can show people the greatness of God. Don't just stop at your ankles when there's knees and there's waist and there's rivers to swim in. I want everyone, if you could, just to stand today. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer over you in a few moments. But what I want you to do today is this. As you're standing, as you're responding today, I want you to realize there's more. Can you just say that? There's more. There's more. There's more for your life. God has more for your life. I said God has more for your life. God has more for your life. Can you just begin to open up your life right now? Can you just begin to open up your heart to God? Can you just begin to claim that? Can you begin to envision that? Can you begin to see that? That God has more for your finances, for your health. God has more for your children. God has more for your life. God has a future for you. Come on, God's got so much right now. And He just is inviting you to say, come on, uh, uh, come in. There's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. He's inviting you in right now. Come on, Jesus. Jesus, right now, God, I pour out my heart to you. I open my heart to you, God. Come on, it doesn't matter what you've done. It's surrendering and giving your life to Christ. Here's the prayer I want to pray over you. You ready? 2 Corinthians 13, 14 from the Message Bible. And it says this, May the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, may the extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you. Let me say that again. May the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit 
be with all of you. God, the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on, don't miss out on one of the most important parts for your life, for your future, for everything. But just before we pray for that, come on, we're going to talk about the first baptism. We want those of you who have never received Christ. Here's what I want you to do all over this place. I want you just to begin to come. If you need to give your life to Christ for the first time or maybe rededicating your life, I want you just to begin to come. And the reason why I'm not asking you to lift your hand is because some people are still asking for more from God and that's great. But come on, if you want to be saved, you want that salvation, you want that covering, you want that sin to be removed in your life, that shame, that guilt, would you come? Is there anyone that would come right now? Anyone? Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus.